0: The worst marketing gimmick that is possible. A bizarre ghost slash cryptid that only appeared once in the most unlikely of places. And then we end the story of Sherry Schreiner. Is it possible that by littering you can defeat aliens today on Dead Rabbit Radio? Everyone, Welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day, too. This episode will probably be shorter, and the first two stories are definitely just little tidbits, little tasty little appetizers, bites of stories that I think are interesting, but not like full fleshed out segments. So we're going to kind of bounce around here. The first one, okay. And I actually discovered this product when I was researching the sherry shriner stuff so this is fitting that it's in this episode the last sherry shriner episode i hope she talked about this product called thieves oil it's a product that you can get that like helps build up your immune system from the draconians or some nonsense like that but because that's not important why she was recommending it isn't important but i did have to find out what this stuff is thieves oil it's a real thing it's like eucalyptus and lime, not lime <laughs> disease, but it's like eucalyptus and like oils and stuff like that you rub on you. It smells really good. Actually, you know what? I will let the website tell you exactly what it is. This is from the website Secret of the Thieves. Sorry, no, Secret of Thieves. So if you try to Google Secret of the Thieves, you're probably going to find out how to steal stuff. Secret of Thieves is the website for Thieves Oil. This is their gimmick. Okay. Thieves. Essential oil is a powerful... They actually have Thieves as a registered trademark, which is kind of weird. Because, I mean, is it just an occupation? I can't trademark Carpenter, but... Thieves essential oil is a powerful combination of essential oils for an, an aromatic, aromatic blend that fills any space with a rich, spicy aroma. Inspired by the legend of Four Thieves Vinegar... This blend is one of Young Living's most popular products. You're like, oh, okay, Jason, it's this oil that you can put on you. It smells really good. You can also put it in, like, your dish soap or your toothpaste. That's what they're saying, not me. It's just like a yummy, yummy oil, right? So they go on to say that uh, what it does is it's, like, good for cleaning. It's, like, smells good. You can put it in all these different products. It's based on this stuff called Thieves Vinegar. Now, on their website, on their website, they have that little description and a little more going into detail, like what it can be put into. And then in that same block of text, so you have a little image of a little bottle of Thieves Oil. You have the stuff that's written underneath it in the text, right above it. This isn't hidden somewhere on the site. This isn't there in their frequently asked questions. This product, quote, based on the legend of Thieves. So that's how they get their name, Thieves. thieves this is based on some sort of Thief legend. I'm I'm enthralled. Healthy living, what are you guys called? Young living, I'm I'm enthralled, young living company. Based on the legend of thieves, who covered themselves with mixtures of herbs and spices. Ooh, okay, so these are yummy smelling thieves. Maybe they're trying to break into places where people have bad senses of smell. Actually, that doesn't make sense because then they would detect you. So you're like, hmm, interesting. Let's start over. Based on the legend of thieves who covered themselves with mixtures of herbs and spices before robbing plague victims what you your product is based your product is based on a thing that people rubbed on themselves so they could go into black plague infested areas of europe and rob the dead and the dying and this is a real thing So I had to go, I was like, what? Why would you make that product? Okay, it's one thing to make that product. It's another thing to put it in your selling points. To have it visible on your front page. So apparently, back when everyone was dying of pestilence, as boils were erupting from their body and exploding onto the vicar, who's like trying to give them prayers, all of a sudden they're covered in black goo. I'm one of you now, now. Look, they get blisters. They pop. All over the place. That's how I imagine it to be. I imagine streets filled with ankle-deep pus everywhere. You couldn't even find your cat. It was just covered in pus. Must have smelled disgusting. Must have smelled like sweaty socks that had fish stuck in them. Just sitting out in the summer heat. That was all of Europe for about 400 years. (laughs) Sorry for that description. Sorry if you were eating fish and or socks while watching this episode. Anyways... There was this thing that I guess they've done some studies that like French uh, doctors would chew garlic and they actually had less and they would rub garlic on them. So the French people smelled a little bit better. That's (laughs) That's such a stereotypical French joke. Okay, but it's sorry, French listeners. But anyways, they would rub garlic on their skin. They would chew garlic. And French doctors actually had lower rates of getting the bubonic plague than their English counterparts. And there, were, there was a story of these thieves that did do like this Ocean's Eleven style heist of plague victims. And they covered themselves in these scented oils and were able to walk unmolested through the bubonic plague towns and just rob people. Now, there's been some pushback to whether or not the Four Thieves is actually a real story. They think it might have actually been based on a guy named Four Thave who invented this little oil that was like, hey, take this, and you won't get the plague as he's he's hiding pustules all over his body. He's like, look at me, I'm totally fine. And they're like, take your shirt off. And he's like, no, I'm shy. But buy this stuff. You won't get, oh, oh. And then just pus, (laughs) pus starts coming out of his shirt. He's like, oh, that's an unrelated disease. You can buy my oil. All of that aside, whether or not it's based on 4thave, a guy who sold bubonic medicine, or a group of thieves who preyed on <laughs> on these dying humans full of mucus coming out of their body, don't put that in your marketing slogan. The last thing I want to be reminded of when I'm buying a product to put on or in my body is the Black Plague. Whether or not it protected them from it is irrelevant because I'm not facing the Black Plague today. But when you tell me that this was used by thieves to rob plague victims, and then you list all the products it's in. Cough drops. Dental floss. Toothpaste. Mints. And wipes. The last thing I. If my butt hurts and I need a a wipe. I don't want to think about plague victims. I definitely don't want to think about them while I'm flossing my teeth. Such a bizarre marketing. It's almost like. I it's I don't understand why they thought it was a selling point. They could have just said, hey, this is called Thieves Oil. It was based on some old thing that Thieves did. Don't look it up. Just put it in your mouth and on your body. The last thing I want to do before I buy a product is to be reminded of, what was it, like one-third of Europe's population dying? Terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. terrible. I don't think there's many I don't think there's many concrete companies walking around touting their product as made of from recycled 911 rubble. You just don't want to do that. Even if it is, even if they had the best rubble possible, no one's putting that in their in their, in their marketing campaign. But these guys did. So, the next story we're going to talk about is super short. It was almost one of those things that I was like, it's Bizarre because it's only one, only one person ever saw it. It's only happened one time. My notes are literally five sentences. But it's kind of bizarre and creepy in its own way. This was in the book Weird New Jersey, which we've had issues with the weird books in the past. One in particular, I can't account for all of them. I should actually start buying them and reading them because I think they're really kind of like gold mines for this type of stuff. And when I say this kind of stuff, I don't mean weird stuff. I mean poorly sourced stuff. They'll pretty much put anything in there. If you wrote into one of these books and said, I was walking down the street and I stubbed my toe and I turned around, and there wasn't a rock there, it would probably end up in one of their books. Weird Oregon, Ghost Rock, page 78. So this is a story from Weird New Jersey. There's a bunch of kids. Okay, f- f- let-, <laughs> let me set the stage here first. There is no explanation for why this group of people are at at this location. It just is, it's someone telling a story, someone wrote in a story to Weird New Jersey, and it's printed as being like, isn't this weird? But the weird part is how the people end up at the location. It's a group of kids at a nudist camp. No explanation given. And you're thinking, oh, teenagers, you know, porky style, poking through the grass. No, the guy's nine, nine nine-year-old. Now, I'm going to assume, for the sake of my sanity, that the nudist camp is closed and abandoned and stopped operation a 100 years before these kids are running around. But anyways, this kid known as R.E. Baker... Sorry. R.E. Barker. Sorry, fictional pseudonym. Sorry that I got it wrong, because I doubt this is his real name. Anyways, Mr. Barker, as a young boy... Is hanging out with his friends at a long abandoned, no longer an operation, nudist colony, nudist camp, whatever it is. Anyways, there's an abandoned barn at the desolate um, nudist colony, and the kids start basically daring each other to go up into the barn, and Mr. Barker, young Mr. Barker, goes up into the barn, and when he gets into the loft, the one thing you don't expect to see at a nudist colony, whether or not it's an operation anymore, is clothes. So he climbs up and he looks into the loft and is not standing there, but floating there a couple feet off the ground is a pair of fresh, brand new Fruit of the Loom underwear tidy tighty whities dancing around in the middle of the sky, like in the middle of the loft. So like if someone was wearing them, but the person isn't there, he just sees them moving and he totally freaks out. He jumps out of the loft. He runs away and that was it. It's the end of the story. That's all that appears in that part of Weird New Jersey. And you're thinking, Jason, that was a waste of your time. But it wasn't, because think about it. If the story's true, which it probably isn't, but let's assume it's true just to dissect it. One, anything moving out of the ordinary. We talked about this with the grinning man. Actually, you know, it's funny. As I was looking at my notes, his name was more like the gurning man. It was used interchangeably, but gurning is a different facial ex- expression. But a couple episodes back, I did an episode about gurning man. It's creepy when things do stuff that's unexpected. Like a mummy holding his arms out, walking down a hallway, going, uh... towards you is creepy. But... if he was, like... if he wasn't walking towards you, if he was, like, crawling towards you like a cat, that would be even creepier. Because you'd be like... Your brain's trying to recognize two things. One, an ancient living dust monster coming at you. And two, it's not acting in any sort of way a human acts. So... The floating underwear is actually kind of a creepy image because that's not something that you would ever expect to see. A pie floating... I remember there's a lot of stories of cabbages flying around, ghosts throwing cabbages at people, and I always thought that was so fascinating because you never hear about it. I hear about it all the time. I've heard it not all the time. I've heard about it a couple of times, but I've always liked cabbages. That's weird. Like, what's the connection between ghosts and cabbages? So I always look for that type of stuff. But So the the underwear dancing around is bizarre by itself, but. I think the fact that the underwear is at a nudist colony is just again that is like not supposed to be It's the one place where underwear shouldn't be at a nudist colony, so was the underwear always dancing up there, like is the underwear still in that barn now still dancing, or is it only dancing when somebody observes it? Have we discovered Schrodinger's tidy white eats like is this something it's weird to think that if that boy and never gone up in that barn, just silently underwear moving around in that barn. It's abandoned; no one ever goes there. All day, all night, there's just a pair of underwear kind of floating. That, that to me, that's creepy. Like observing it, you're able to go, "Hey, look at that's out of the ordinary." But to think that there's just a desolate place somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, and there's just this underwear hovering in midair, moving around. I don't know, man. That's actually creepier than your standard ghost walking through a hallway. But rock on, underwear. I don't think you exist, and I don't think Ari Barker is real, but still, it's an interesting story. But we talked, we talked about the underwear, we talked about Thieves' Oil. Let's go back one more time to the vault of Sherry Schreiner. Again, Gary opened up this whole can of worms by sending me an email. Quick overview on Monday, we did an episode about a murder that was related to her cult. Second episode, on Tuesday, we did a story about uh, the life of Sherry Schreiner in her own words, which was quite interesting. Yesterday's episode was her frequently asked questions and magical prayers you can do to fight aliens. And then you're like, Jason, I'm not a religious person. I don't pray. Fair enough. You want the witch doctors to get you? That's your business. But you're a man of science. Or a woman. You are a person of science. You... Want to take the fight to the aliens directly. Well you know what Sherry has an answer for you. Sherry has a device that you can actually. Not a device. A collection of materials that you can scrape up off the ground. Assuming your ground is a Home Depot. But you can get these materials. And you can take the fight directly to the aliens. By littering with these materials. Let's go back in time. Let's go back in time for a bit. We're going back to the year 1939. We're gonna meet this guy in 1939 named William Reich. Now he was like this socialist dude. He was like a Marxist, and he was watching this political protest one day, and he saw like all these people, like, oh yeah, going oh, to government. I don't know what country this is from. So She's <laughs> gonna do a variety of accents, but yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the government's like totally horrible and they're awful. And blah blah. The masses said, but as they were protesting, the government. They weren't walking on the grass because there were signs saying, keep off the grass. And William Wright goes, hmm, that's an interesting thing. Like, these people are out here protesting and rebelling, but they won't do a simple rebellious act as walk on the grass. He came to the conclusion that the reason why the working classes were limited politically was because they didn't have good orgasms in their life. If they had better orgasms, it would enlighten them to the struggle of all mankind. Now, I don't know about that politically. But I do agree everyone should have better orgasms. That, I think, is fine. That's totally good. But his views were so wacky, other political activists were like, Hey, Will, hey Willie, Willie, why don't you not come to our next meeting? Keep telling everyone to masturbate. He's like, what not, nah, man? I'm telling everyone to practice free love. They're like, eh, however you want to put it. But he, okay, he didn't actually start telling people to masturbate in meetings. I should make a, a difference between a joke and the historical fact. But he was basically, other other political groups are like, this guy's a little too wacky for us. Now, he was a scientist. He wasn't just some bum hanging out, which, I mean, some scientists are. But he was, he was also under the belief that life could appear spontaneously. So you would have, he would get like soil and he'd be like looking at it. And he goes, I know amoebas are just going to show up here one day. And through the course of his experiments, he ended up getting some different type of dirt than he normally does. And he saw like this blue outline around the dirt under his microscope. And he said that he had discovered the force. Now, he didn't use that word because it wasn't exist back then. But that's basically what it is. It's the binding life cycle that travels throughout the universe. Like everything comes from this stuff. And he found it in a sample of sand that is devoid of life. And technically everything should have. And he starts like writing all these papers. And he names it. Orgone or Orgon based on orgasms. Again, he's still thinking about busting a nut the whole time. He discovers a new source of life. He names it after getting off. So after his miraculous discovery, he starts pushing all these papers on orgone. Or or I'm gonna call it Orgone. It, I think it's Orgon, but I I I'll just call it Orgon, okay? Orgon, it just sounds weird. He starts writing all these papers on orgon, and they're he's turning them into scientific journals. They're why are the pages so sticky? And he's like, "Uh, sorry." But anyways, they can only read like the first three pages. The rest of it is glued together. See, he be- so. He believed that orgon held the universe together, and it was also the key to having more powerful orgasms. So again, like he was selling it as a cure all and a sexual fix. He also said, if you're around enough orgon. Your hips will start thrusting back and forth. And I'm doing it right now. So you want to imagine me doing it. You probably even hear my chair rocking. If you're around a good supply of organ, you can't control your hips going back and forth. It's basically like this action that's going on, this physical action that you can't control. Unconscious action you can't control. So if you're ever walking down the street and you see some weirdo just kind of swaying their hips back and forth, you're like, man, that guy's really in touch with the universe. He ended up building these huge cabinets called, like, they were Orgon containers. Orgon containers? That wasn't the actual, it was like an Orgon box. It was a box that you'd sit inside. It had a metal wall, like metal lining on the inside, and on the outside was all natural wood. And what uh, the way it was set up was that the wood would attract the Orgon to the box, to the case. It's a hu- human size, you'd sit in it in a chair. I think you know where we're going with this. The, maybe you don't, the the natural wood on the outside would attract the organ moving through the universe. It would soak through it, and then the metal inside would keep it trapped in there. So you're just getting all this organ right into your bloodstream, right into your brain, right into every cell of your skin. And you'd sit, and people swore by these things. There were like these great medical devices people had, and people were buying them. People were just jacking off in them. I can almost guarantee that that was just something... I could. I know that the pl- people were just buying them to masturbate in. And being like... Because think about it. It's sold to give you a good orgasm and to cure some other stuff. But people are only focused on that. The man of the house is like, Hey, I'm going to go uh, recharge my orgone. Kids, see you later. Mom will take care of you. And then he just goes in there, sits in there for five minutes, comes out. That's what people were using them for. It was basically a private room for you to masturbate in. Now, that's not a story that people won't admit to that historically, but come on, come on. That's what you're using them for. But other people said that it was actually this great medical device that really helped him out (laughs) and made him feel young and all that stuff. But masturbation does that, too. So uh, side note before I end that up. He was selling it as a as a cure all. The FDA, the Food and Drug Administration of America, said none of your claims are real. He gotta stop doing that. And he kind of did. Like, he would only do it in his lab. You could then go to his place and rent. And you could rent an organ chamber at his lab, which is gross, because now he probably has, like, five of them. And there's probably, like, glory holes drilled in the side and all sorts of gross stuff. (laughs) Just men are showing up every day. They're like, hey, do you got room in the chamber? (laughs) They're bringing magazines with them. He's like, oh, yeah, you can use Chamber C. But... The FDA said you gotta stop selling them and someone else took one of his and sold it and the FDA actually threw him in jail for not following their orders and they went to his laboratory, destroyed all of his research and all of his equipment. And he ended up dying in jail a couple years later of like a heart attack. Not enough orgone in jail, apparently. That's the story of William Reich. And you go, what does any of that have to do with Sherry Schreiner? Well, that is what, he's the one who discovered and kind of came up with what orgone is. From that, from that, Sherry Schreiner and many, many, many other people believe this as well. That orgone is not simply an element to cure your rheumatoid arthritis that you got from masturbating all the time for the better orgasms you got from the orgone. It's a vicious, vicious cycle. You can actually use it to destroy UFOs. Aliens are allergic, deadly allergic, anaphylactic levels allergic to orgone. And their UFOs, can burst into flames among the presence of too much orgo. Now, again, we just told you that it's all throughout the universe. The guy who discovered it, it's all throughout the universe. It's for curing people. It's for letting you get off harder. Here, come spend five minutes in my box, and I'll show you how well it can work for you. Sherry Shriners turned it into a super weapon, which would be the equivalent of turning a fleshlight into Iron Man's arc reactor. But somehow she's able to turn this sex toy-slash- a quackery medical device into a weapon. She's created these things called Orgon. I'm just going to call it Orgon from here on out. I'm sorry if you guys are getting frustrated, but it just flows better for me. Orgon blasters. (laughs) No, I said it the other way. Whatever. Okay, she made these things called Orgon blasters, and they're actually... She has that term trademarked, because only she can call it that. Not only can you make Orgon blasters, but you can infuse water with Orgon Just drop a couple of these things in here, and I'll tell you how to make it. Get a super soaker, and then just start spraying aliens with organ-infused water. Catches them on fire. Generally the opposite of what water does, but you have that option. Now, if you're ever fighting aliens, and you have to use one hand to carry a super soaker, and the other hand to carry a bucket of water, you're probably not going to last very long. So she gives you more options. First, she's going to teach you how to make them. So you take a muffin pan, you know, the one with those little muffin slots in it? So we're obviously talking about high-tech sci-fi level technology. You take a muffin pan. You take some, like, silicone resin type stuff. You take metal shavings. which she said you can cut up aluminum, like, baking sheets. But she goes, that takes forever. I'm sure she spent weeks cutting these things up. She goes, go to a hardware store, get some aluminum shavings. Get your silicone. Get a copper wire. And then you twist it clockwise, not counterclockwise, but I don't understand that. Because if you flip it over, won't it be the opposite of whatever it is? You put the spring in there, you put the metal shavings in there into the muffin can. Throw some pennies in there, but they have to be pre-1983 pennies because they have the most copper. You fill it full of resin, and now you have this gross looking mold that is full of a bunch of metal. Copper and aluminum. How do you fight aliens with that? You litter. She gives you advice. Throw them out of your car as you're driving down the road. You can hide them in bushes. You can actually keep one in your car. It'll have lower gas mileage. You can put one under your electrical box at your house. Your energy bill will go down. It will go down because the meter reader won't come around your house anymore because they'll think you're a lunatic because you got all this weird metal stuff hanging outside around your house. But Throw them outside your car while you're driving down the street. Hide them behind trees. Hide them in trees. Bury them. Put them everywhere. You're going to create a circle a penetrable force field if you will around your house where the aliens will be like oh, something feels weird here but I don't know what it is maybe it's all that copper and they run away that's not enough though she also tells you how to make ones where you use a metal bucket and you put a giant steel rod in it I don't know where the steel's coming from and then you do the rest of the stuff the copper and all that stuff she recommends you take these five-foot-tall monstrosities of metal and resin and to drop them in lakes, rivers, streams, and the ocean. She even says, this is a quote from her, We have found that the orgone we are distributing and using across the country is defeating them, them being the reptilian-alien-demon overlords. We need warriors who will make or buy orgon and distribute it around their areas. You can throw it in ditches, trees, bushes, lakes, ponds, deserts. Who lives by a desert? And that's a big thing. You just put, like, you just roll one of these out and you're like, all done. Lakes, ponds, deserts, anywhere it won't easily be found. You can even bury it. She wants to litter the place, the whole planet with these materials, with this disgusting litter. And that'll make the aliens not come around. So, again, Sherry Schreiner, not just the leader of this bizarre cult, but actively encouraging people to litter and pollute the oceans to defeat an invisible menace. Her beliefs, indirectly or directly, depending on how you feel about it, ended up in a murder. Her beliefs seem to have kind of set her life off course. Her beliefs have helped create a delusional group of people who believe that they are ready and destined to fight in a war against these alien demons to the point where they're donating tons of money to her. Her beliefs have also led to a whole gaggle of followers who are, believe this stuff and are becoming more and more delusional the more of her writings they read because it's not true none of it's true and now you could say ah you know she didn't have anything to do with the murder what she does with her own life is fine what other people do with their own lives are fine but now she's actively encouraged people to destroy the environment to fight a group of things these alien demon overlords controlled by lucifer and actively destroying the environment to fight this phantom menace if you will she's hitting us on all points Like, there's almost, there's no group of people she hasn't offended. She hasn't come after dog lovers yet, but that might just be down the pipe. But here's the thing, and we'll wrap it up like this. Here's my conspiracy theory. In the future, the environment is completely destroyed. There's this weird magnetic energy coursing through the atmosphere. And future scientists cannot figure out what is going on. They're like, for some reason, everything seems to have aluminum in it and copper and not just (laughs) copper and not just any copper, copper from pre 1983 pennies. And the scientists are like, what could cause our rivers and our oceans and our deserts, bushes to become infused with aluminum and copper? And scientists are like, we have no idea. But look, look outside the window, desolate landscape. Everything tastes like wet pennies. It's completely destroyed the food sources. It's completely destroyed the water supply. It's just a hellish landscape. But we have this time machine. And the other scientists are like, hey, where'd that come from? And he's like, I went to the future and got it. They're like, oh, that makes sense. We got this time machine. We don't know where this pollution is coming from. But we know how to counteract it. First, we're going to go back in time to when we believe the pollution started. Then, I have a plan. It's called chemtrails. I believe chemtrails can counteract whatever this pollution was. And they go, Why you, why'd your voice sound differently now? And he's like, ah, because I had to fix something in the editing. It doesn't matter. The plane's still valid. I've come up with this thing that I want to call chemtrails. We're going to put it in planes, and we're going to fly around the Earth. No one's going to know we're doing it. We're going to be super stealthy about it. It won't ever be caught on video or YouTube. And by releasing chemicals into the air, it will actually counteract all of this horrible, horrible pollution that's been mysteriously done 100 years ago. And the other scientists are like, yeah, that's a great idea. And as they're discussing it, they look out their window and the world starts to bloom and get better and the trees come back. And some guy's eating chicken and goes, this tastes like chicken. Scientists are like, yay. Just by talking about time travel, we made it happen. Now, obviously, that's a facetious theory, but maybe not. When you're dealing with such bizarre things as witch doctors, laser beams coming through your windows, alien demons being directed by Lucifer, and an unemployed single mom in Ohio realizing that the Bible is telling her that she is one of the prophets who will help protect the universe from Lucifer. When all of those other bizarre things are in play, anything you can make up is just as valid. And that is a scary world to live in. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.